aren't with us and such a privilege. And Joel, yes, that was my question to you, was how are you doing? So thank you for elaborating, and we just trust things get better, hey? Um, yes. So Alexander, I just have your book, which is such a gem and such a great tool for us to have at a time like this, trying to um, develop a, a walk with Jesus. And what really struck me was how beautifully you explained things. And I love the um, excerpt of the book where you explain what the heart of it is. And I'm going to read it now, if I may, where you say um, Christian spirituality is formation to Christ-likeness by following Jesus in his kingdom. We are the Spirit's work of art at the still point of the turning world. There the Spirit carefully etches and creatively reveals on the canvas of our hearts and lives, stroke by stroke, the portrait of Jesus, the face of the Father. Each painting is a unique masterpiece framed in the rule and reign of God that has come and is yet to come, set against the infinite horizon of the eternal trinity, the cosmic Trinitarian dance of love. And then also you, you elaborate on that where you say that as we grow in our spiritual formation, we learn to blend and move as one in the Trinity, dancing in step with the Spirit, as Galatians 5.25 points out, till our life is one continuous unaware dance of oneness in love with the Father, Son, and Spirit. We become being in love as God is love. We love as the Father, Son, and Spirit love. It is so beautiful. And I was just wondering if you could explain why spiritual formation is so important. Okay, so thank you, Anita. <clears throat> and uh, formally, after all the technical issues, hello to Lifehouse. <laughs> and we're happy to be here with you. And I'm not sure if you first heard Jill's little update on how things are doing. But Anita, thank you for the question, and hi to Alicia, Louise, and to Richard. Um, but Anita, just listening to those two quotes from my book, Doing Spirituality, uh, yeah, it's interesting actually hearing your own words that you've written being read back to you. <laughs> and uh, it still touches me and makes me feel emotional because... At the heart of it all is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at the heart of the Father, the Trinity, is unconditional and perfect love. And that spirituality, the reason why we do spiritual formation, the reason why we follow Jesus as apprentices, disciplined learners, is to become like Him in order to live the life of the Trinity which really is actually learning very simply, practically, it's learning to love every day in every moment as God loves every day in every moment. So I define apprenticeship to Jesus, spiritual formation to Jesus, is living interactively with Jesus, learning from Him moment by moment by His Word and Spirit how He would live and love as he were me, 
as if he were me. If he were in my shoes, how would he live and love in this moment when I'm with this person? And for me, that is the motivation, is the love of God being formed towards Christ-likeness. And we live in such a world of unbelievable pain, fear, confusion, hopelessness, brokenness, fear. Um, just listening to Gary with all the requests for financial help coming on the Facebook page, there is so much pain out there. And the followers of Jesus can just be a little bit more like Jesus and learn to love as he loves. We can become the hope of the world and be agents of change in society. Amen. So I better not start preaching. You better, I better slow down and let you ask the next question. <laughs> or maybe Jill can answer the motivation of, of spiritual formation. Yes, and um, I didn't finish. I don't want people to think when I said how we're doing in lockdown that I'm like just living in my ivory tower. Yes, I am living in an ivory tower. I'm a blessed person right now when I consider what's going on around. But what I've learned through the spiritual formation over many years is to not ignore the darkness inside me and outside, is to find beauty within the darkness and to see what grief or destruction or um, despair, fear, all of those emotions, what are they teaching me? What is the teacher? What can I learn from that? And of course, I learn enormous amounts. It's like learning what the deep currents in with, within me, like the ocean, we have to refer to the ocean, because because the other day we went for a walk along the ocean and the waves were enormous and they were fascinating and I thought of the Psalms where the waves worship God and we met a, a guy who collected mussels and I said, aren't these waves enormous? I've never seen them so big in the time we've been here and he said, yes, he said the sea's upside down. And I immediately thought, we have such currents underneath, inside of ourselves. And if we don't learn to acknowledge the currents, we will never learn to observe the waves on the surface of our life. So for me, spiritual formation and those beautiful Trinitarian darts and all those beautiful words, Anita, we are God's workmanship. We are His work of art. If we don't recognize what's happening inside of us, the currents, the turmoil inside of us, then how are we going to observe the waves on the surface of our own lives and of the lives of others? Well, so, yeah, that's my reflection on yeah. that. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Alexander. Um, Alexander, just now you used the word disciplined learners and um, kind of triggered something in me a little bit because I'm sure some people can relate to this, but, you know, the beginning of the year kind of started quite normal when I started getting into a little bit of a rhythm of, you know, daily rhythms, daily practices, and suddenly March hit and lockdown was announced and all of those rhythms seemed to just go out the window and and um, a little bit of you know, everything that was normal in terms of just the regular things um, were not so normal anymore. And um, I was just wondering, 
and I'm speaking into that, but like what are the things that hinder people's spiritual formation? What are the things that happen that you that you can see happening in people's lives that actually hinder that or hinder people from from being those disciplined learners and actually getting into that that spiritual formation and, and the discipline of that? Okay, thanks thanks Leisha. So yeah. To be a disciple in the New Testament, the word disciple, metitis in the, in the Greek, in modern terms, it really is to be an apprentice. And an apprentice is a person who commits to, to live with, to learn from, to become like. We commit to follow Jesus, to live interactively with him, to learn from him, to become like him. So therefore, I use this word in, in the Greek, metitis is a disciplined learner. Not just a learner, but you learn under, under a relational discipline through certain practices like an apprentice. So Jesus disciples us, apprentices us to become like him through spiritual practices. And, and you're right, Lisha, that has to do with learning to live within the unforced rhythms of grace. So that's the phrase from Eugene Peterson when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, 28, that if you are tired and stressed out and burdened, I think he was talking to Khartingalings. <laughs> he, says, come, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. <laughs> but then he says, the next step, don't just come to Jesus and get a fix in the moment. God, help me, help me. I'm, I'm messed up. I need help right now. He says, the next step is take my yoke upon you. Come under my practices, my spiritual practices for the spiritual life. And then you will find rest and peace deep in your soul. And you will learn to live in and from peace. So the spiritual practices of Jesus that we take on, Eugene Peterson put it like this, we learn the unforced rhythms of God's grace. And so following Jesus in spiritual formation is about arranging our lives in a way whereby we um, inculcate the basic practices for spiritual formation, for spiritual health and spiritual growth. And when the things are disrupted, we, you know, none of us saw 2020 this way. <laughs> it, 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 it seems to have, in fact, caught the world by surprise. I don't think many people prophetically even prophesied this publicly that a pandemic would come and overtake the world or would challenge the world. It hasn't really overtaken us. So we have to wrestle down our lives in terms of our daily rhythm, our weekly rhythm of life, our monthly rhythm of life. We have to wrestle it down into a rhythm whereby we include and incorporate basic spiritual practices for spiritual health and spiritual growth. When the rhythm is disrupted through outward circumstance, like a pandemic, like a lockdown, or like changing a job, or like being made redundant, or like being unemployed and you're desperate for work, when the rhythm is disrupted, you've got to re rearrange, arrange and rearrange your life to keep this regular place of spiritual practices, because if we don't engage in basic core spiritual practices, we become spiritually flabby and unfit for life with God. <laughs> then we run out of stamina and steam. <laughs> but 
But as we do physical exercises to be fit for life, we do spiritual exercises to be fit for shared life with God. And if we forsake basic spiritual disciplines, basic spiritual practices, we become spiritually unfit and then we indulge our, our lower nature. Then we eat ice creams and chocolate and hot chocolate sauce and cakes and and, and then we, we become spiritually flabby and uh, we're no longer actually um, responsive, sensitive, uh, relationally engaged with Jesus. But we start indulging our own lower nature and we actually go our own way and we no longer say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because that's what discipleship is about at the end of the day. Lord, not my will. You're, I'm here to do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. So maybe enough from me. The things that hinder us. Yeah. Well, um, Alexander always speaks from the theory and he studied. I always speak from experience. So sometimes the things that hinder me are um, doubt, uh, my individualism, and my doubt about my strength of belief or it's all about me and that is a hindrance um, and then also I sometimes think but if God is omnipresent and omniscient then what's the purpose of you know why am I doing all this you know why should I spend time with God why should I I mean I'm saved and born again and here I am but that I know is a fatalistic approach. But those are the hindrances, you know, when you allow your mind to go on a, that kind of a spiral, then, you know, you do doubt the, the goodness of God. And this is in, my, in the weaknesses. And one through spiritual formation is more um, able to overcome the hindrances by the practice, which is an act that you habitually um, for, go into practice. And uh, so, yeah, my, my personal um, hindrances are doubt and questioning and my individualism, you know, well, I know it and um, why should I, you know, the fatalism. So those are hindrances, but they can be overcome by your practices. Uh, yeah, I'm not even using discipline anymore because I thought I'd better whip myself. But I'm not using... <laughs> So I haven't told you the discipline that I'm using the word practice because I can practice what I believe. I ardently believe in my spiritual formation and I ardently believe that God just loves us to be with him. So I practice what I, uh, to overcome the hindrances. So, so maybe, Alicia, if I could just add a practical illustration. As in marriage, the marriage relationship, as in family, doing family, doing marriage, we have certain basic practices, rhythms, routines that we engage in for the health of our relationship and even to grow and deepen our relationship. And likewise with family, with children. So as the family grows up and the kids grow up and leave home, the seasons shift and change then you shift and change your practices um, for family. And then because, the, because um, we have to be relevant 
to the changing context in which we live and the seasons that we go through. So our practices shift and change. But the fact is you never, ever disengage from doing basic practices in marriage for healthy marriage sake. And in fact, not only just maintaining the status quo, but going deeper and deeper in intimacy and truly knowing each other until our last breath. So practices will leave the word disciplines. It's a difficult yeah. word. Thank you guys and thank you for just making that so personal because I think that you know sometimes it we forget that it just simply is a relationship you know and and you you, you've really just kind of brought that home again that it's that it takes work to make any relationship work and yes you're right it's it, it does take some discipline but there's real joy in that too so yeah but thank you. <laughs> so my question is for those who feeling a little overwhelmed by the where do I start, how am I going to do this um, like I'm wanting to run a marathon but I don't know where to start so I'm not even going to try kind of people or maybe you're unsure of what uh, you know where do I start, how do I do this so I love the, like reading through your book you and Dallas will all talk about Vim, talk about having a plan. Can you expand on that and just help people unpack how to do this, how to start off slow, how to get to, because I think sometimes we all like exercise, you know, we, we like in my head, I'm, I'm dreaming, I'm running like a 5K, but actually I can't even run two meters kind of thing. So for those, for those kind of people who are wishing and longing for to be able to, but we, we cast our it too far ahead. How do we start? How do we begin? Um, and, and for those who've lost their rhythm, how do we start again? How do we plan for this? What do you do? What do you suggest? Okay. So, Louise, when, when a child is born in the home, a little baby, we, the parents teach the child certain rhythms. I think often with great difficulty <laughs> because babies don't learn learn the, the rhythms easily and we parents teach them certain rhythms and practices of feeding, sleeping and then eventually disciplines but as a child grows up at some point it realizes I'm a human being, I have a life purpose and what is my life purpose and how am I going to achieve it? And then they start developing a view of life and a plan for life to grow into the purpose for which they were created. So when we are born again, when we begin to follow Jesus, we have the honeymoon period. <laughs> where, where actually everything is just wonderful and we love Jesus. And, and our parents, spiritual leaders, begin to initiate us into basic uh, core practices for spiritual growth. We need to breathe air as a newborn baby to exercise our lungs. So we pray is like spiritual breathing. So we teach followers of Jesus right from the beginning to talk to Jesus and pray, not to say prayers, but to literally, the more you talk to Jesus throughout the day, it's your spiritual breathing and you're exercising your, your lungs. You need to drink 
uh, milk as a baby. So we teach them how to just basically read a passage of the Bible, to think about it, talk to God about it, and to try to hear what God is saying to them through that reading of the passage of the Bible. That's like drinking the milk of the Word. And so we, as, as you grow up as a Christian, then you start realizing, I'm a follower of Jesus. The world is against me, or I'm swimming upstream now. I'm not swimming with the world. I'm swimming against the values and the system of this world. So therefore, there's a lot of conflict. I need to develop a life plan to follow Jesus and become like Jesus. And so, Louise, what you refer to, V-I-M, Vim. Vim, of course, is not the cleaning agent that, that cleans stoves very clean. But, but vision intention and method. So Dallas Willard actually speaks about this and he, he actually drew it from Aristotle. Aristotle, 400 BC before Christ, was the one who, who said, if you want to become a good human being, you need to have a vision of the kind of person you want to become. Then you need to develop the intention of the will, the decision to become that kind of person. But then you need some practical methods, the means, the method, to actually become that kind of person. And what Dallas Willard basically said was that Aristotle was correct, but what he really missed out was he had an over-optimistic view of human nature because we're all fallen and sinful. And therefore, we need a new heart and a new spirit. We need to be born again. To apply vision, intention, and method to an ordinary human being, you just become a more disciplined, same version of yourself. Unless you are born again by the Spirit of God with a new heart and a new spirit, that eternal life in us is what grows through developing a vision to become like Jesus, to making a deep decision at some point in your life. I actually am going to embark on a lifelong journey to, to incrementally, progressively become more and more like Jesus. And he was the ultimate, quintessential Godly person, good person. And then you develop the method. And the method basically are spiritual practices. So <clears throat> daily, having a daily rhythm. So having 15 minutes, half an hour. I always recommend, if possible, a minimum of 20 minutes to half an hour. 10 to 15 minutes a day is so short and so small. But to wrestle down your daily life whereby you cut out half an hour in your daily life to be alone with God, with your thoughts, your heart, with the Bible, and with prayer. And that quiet time, daily devotion, we can teach people and initiate them into the practice of a daily quiet time quite easily by showing them how to do it. And then you have your your daily spiritual practices, then you develop weekly practices, then you develop monthly practices, like a monthly rhythm. So you have the vision, you make a decision that I am going to become a good person. I am going to become like Jesus. That's, that's my inheritance. And I make the decision that I'm going to journey towards that, and these are the means God gives me. To become like that and the means of practices and the old phrase practice makes perfect if i want to become like like uh, um, richard Kleiderman and play the piano 
that reveals my age. Uh, Richard, we won't uh, talk about our age at this point in life. <laughs> but uh, I've got to enter into practice and training under a mentor and learn over years, and I will eventually, through practice, become a pianist. If I want to become like Jesus, I, 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 I avail myself of the practices he's given to us in the spiritual life. And the more I practice them, practice incrementally by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes us. I think we've got to be clear on this. We cannot change ourselves. No human being can change themselves to be better. God changes us. But God changes us as we respond to his work in us through spiritual practices that God has made available to us. So that's important for vision, intention, and method. And you work it out, what are the daily practices that I do? What are the weekly practices? Like weekly attending a small group, weekly worship in church, weekly um, doing a service, a Christian engaging in Christian service to the poor. You develop weekly rhythms, then you develop a monthly rhythm perhaps of a quiet morning. Once a month, have a whole Saturday morning in retreat four or five hours of just quiet, being alone with God. Once a month, perhaps, see a spiritual director, a spiritual, someone older than you, who can give you spiritual direction. So you, you look at your weekly, your daily practice, weekly practice, and monthly practice. And incrementally, unconsciously, progressively, God changes you. And after a year or three years of doing it consistently, other people notice in you how you've changed. And they say, hey, you just, you just seem so peaceful. You, you're like a different person. And you say, oh, okay, I was not aware of that. <laughs> no, good. no, I don't think I should add to that. Just one thing, a practical thing, um, to include the them, is uh, to press to start is to find one other person, a friend, a friend um, that you could agree that you want to go on this journey together. And, you know, in lockdown, it's, you, know, you could still sit socially uh, distanced with your mask. But I found having a friend that was as committed as I was to pursue a sp uh, the spiritual formation and um, then you sit together and you could perhaps, you know, you, you chat first and then you could play a, a music piece just to sit quietly. So you develop the, the um, ability to sit quietly without talking, sit in silence, then to read a scripture together and then to contemplate together. You know, that's just a practical way of not feeling alone in what you're doing. Um, and then perhaps the two become three. And then, you know, in within um, life house, you could perhaps have somebody who has a passion for it to do a morning togetherness, a morning retreat where you, you know, you can do that as, as more than two or three. You could play music, you could pray together, you could be silent together. And that's a sort of a more creative, simplistic way to implement the verb. That's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. So, so Jill, you, you uh, touch on a, a question that I had, and that is the role of community in spiritual formation. 
and uh, and and we built for community. So so that's the one thing. But uh, in these lockdown times, uh, we communicate differently. So so for you two, what is the the kind of uh, risks associated with uh, online uh, spiritual formation? And uh, and the fact is is that. Uh, that I agree, we are built for community, and and there's that gap now with the way we commune and the way that we uh, uh, communicate. Well, that's a, yeah. I do find this in that respect, the lockdown is is difficult. Um, I personally haven't been new in South Rock and, and still not to, uh, having developed really any deep relationships yet. I find it quite lonely. So. Personally, I'm finding that one a difficult one. I believe in it, uh, in community, obviously, because when we find our freedom inwardly, it naturally outflows. But I haven't personally be able, been able to pursue a partner or some friend who will you'll do this a spiritual formation with me. Although, as I say, I believe in it. And I believe, you know, in, in community, it's a connectedness. Yeah. It's not only being connected, it's correcting where, where you are corrected in, in error or in erroneous beliefs or in erroneous practices. And it's not an I, it's a we. But uh, for me, that's my weakness and my, my loneliness. So I think I'm going to defer to Alexander, who has managed the Zoom to, I'm useless, I I get so angry when I go on Zoom, I can't function it. And then, like at the beginning, I get so nervous. So I'm not the apt person here to answer that question in deep love and sincerity. So I will ask Alexander to answer that. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. I'll just pray for you. Be But um, here, Richard, very, very important question. So, so obviously, I think we need to teach our people, and for all the folk listening, Lifehouse, and wherever else you're listening, if you're not in Lifehouse and you're online listening, or you will watch this later, it is so, so important to understand that our following Jesus, our spiritual formation, is never in a cocoon of just God and me, Jesus and me. We, when Jesus said, come and follow me, and people joined him, and in joining him, they joined his community, and they had to put up with the smell of fish because it was first fishermen that followed, <laughs> that followed Jesus. <laughs> so we, we follow Jesus in community for the sake of the world. It's not for our own sake. It's for the world's sake. So this issue of community, following Jesus in community, is, is crucial. And that's why Jesus said, when he broke bread for the last time at the Passover meal, he broke bread and he said, it's the last time I'm drinking this, the fruit of the vine with you. And I won't drink it again until I, I drink it with you face to face in my Father's kingdom. Since the beginning of this pandemic and lockdown, I've quoted that verse all the time. What we're doing online church is an exception to the norm. The norm is face-to-face -face community in anticipation of face-to-face -face community with Jesus in our resurrection bodies at the second coming. It's all anticipatory. 
So to have normal church face-to-face on a Sunday, that is what God's desire is, incarnate community, because that's where we worship together, we share God's word, we encourage each other, we lay hands on each other. To lay on hands is the norm. What we're going through is not the new norm, it's the new abnormal. And believe you me, God will defeat this, it will pass. God will defeat it, because this is not the will of God. God can bring good out of the work of evil, but it's not God's norm. The norm is incarnate face-to-face community. So we need to encourage each other in our spiritual practices, as Joel said, the twos and the threes of spiritual companions, to share together what God is saying through the Word, and to pray for each other, to share our dreams, to read our journals to one another, to go through fasting, let's fast for a day together, all the spiritual disciplines. So I just have in my book here doing spirituality that um, the disciplines of engagement, we only think there's like two or three spiritual practices of prayer, Bible reading, and maybe church attendance. But there's there's the practice of worship, the practice of celebration, the practice of service, Christian ministry. That's community-oriented. It's not just something you do on your own. You go visit someone. You go visit the people in prison. You give food to the poor. You do, you do good, the, the good works of Jesus. You care for people. Um, forgiveness, the discipline of forgiveness and the discipline of submission. There are a lot of spiritual disciplines that operate in and through community context. So to come back to your question, Richard, is that let's just be realistic and honest. Because of the corona pandemic and because of love for one another, we wear masks, we keep bodily distance, we sanitize our hands, we do online church mainly, and we broadcast church. So I think these things are important, and I agree with them, and I support them. But all with this proviso, it's abnormal, it's not right, this will change, God will defeat this, and we will be face to face. The danger is we get so hooked on online church and the convenience of it, that we don't go back to -to face-to-face church and incarnate church. It's so convenient to wake up, maybe maybe some of you who are watching, you wake up at 9 o'clock and you're still in your pajamas and you're watching. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it's cold. Especially when it's cold. So this online church has got such convenience, but I don't see you. I can't read your body language. You can't read my body language. You can hide. You can duck. You can go from this service and, and like it to that service and like it and to that service and give the impression to all the people that you've attended four different churches all at the same time. And, uh, and so we can play games. There's a lot of room for um, unhealthy practice with online church. So we use the tool of technology for our good, but we don't let te- we don't allow technology to form us in its image, yeah. because technology persisted long enough, and un- w- with uncritical engagement, can rewire our brains, and form us into a way of living that is technologically driven. We yeah. were created for relationships to be relationally driven in love, not to be driven by the convenience of technology. So there's a tension in using all technology. 
We use it for good and for God's purposes, but we engage with it critically, knowing its limitations, and that we keep upholding the high value of face-to-face incarnate church. So as Jill said, people can wear masks and meet in, today you can meet in a restaurant and have a cappuccino. You can even meet in your home and just wear masks, two or three people, share God's word, pour out your hearts, cry together, share your dreams, pray for one another. That is spiritual companionship for spiritual formation and growth. And so the last text here, what Paul says in the book of Hebrews, he says, he, he says, let us consider how we may spur each other on towards love and towards good works. And let us not give up meeting together as is the habit of some. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And of course, the context here to Hebrews was that they were under persecution. They had properly confiscated. They were publicly insulted. And so some Christians were discouraged and withdrew from the fellowship, the, the koinonia of, of family gathering. Our context is different. We choose not to gather publicly to obey what the government has asked of us for the good of loving one another that we don't become uh, people who pass on the coronavirus. But um, the norm is to encourage, stimulate, help each other, support each other. Spiritual formation fundamentally is a community exercise. We follow Jesus in community for the world. (laughs) Amen. Jill, Alexander, that, that was just so, so wonderful. Thank you for your wisdom and revelation. And, and Lord, I just uh, ask you to bless Jill and to bless Alexander. And, uh, and while we were, were, were talking, the golden thread was called practices. And uh, we change our characters by the habits that we um, produce. That's and right. those habits, may they be the habits that you wish on our lives, Lord, as we get closer to you, Jesus, and walk closer in your way and become more like you. May what we project be what you want for our lives by your will. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I can't wait to get down to our place in Belito and and fellowship with you and we do all this uh, stuff together with coffee one-on-one. So, so Richard, when when we meet and you're down here, we wear our masks. But if we have coffee together, you can't drink coffee through a mask. <laughs> so we can take off the mask and then see face to face and then have coffee. <laughs> Lovely. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you. We miss you guys. We love you guys. And thanks for this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Leisha. Thank thanks, Leisha. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys, for sticking around. And uh, I think it's something we can listen to a couple of times. Get Alexander's book. Uh, get Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart. Um, go on to our website, Following Jesus. If you're struggling with spiritual practices, we have got enough there to get you going. And uh, everything from videos showing you how to do it to content of written content as well as um, videos of the explanation of that. So you can listen to it in your car, you can, there's so many different ways. And in many ways, what I'm saying is you are without excuse. Um, 
let's uh, commune with God. Let's make sure that our spiritual practices are teaching us, by, or allowing Jesus to teach us to change our habits through practice and training in the context of Holy Spirit, not in an environment that imposes what uh, it wants to on us, but it's in community, not just having a relationship, but actually intentional community. So uh, to the rest of you, thank you so much for joining us online. To all of you guys who have come this morning, thank you. Please keep coming. Love to see you. Thanks, Debs. And uh, you didn't hug me, so thank you. Um, just teasing. Uh, anyway, have a good week. Goodbye. Okay,